Disclaimer. Please do not email us about the historical inaccuracies we are sure to make. We are not historians. We are idiots. And welcome to Anachronismo! Uh, I'm Max. I'm Jackie. I'm Noel. And uh, tonight we're going to be giving you some historical comedy. What we do is we bring in uh, weird historical stories and then make jokes about them. Usually we have one each, but tonight we've got a pretty short show, so just two. So uh, I hope you were ready for some hyper-focused history. <laughs> Good, good no. crowd, good crowd. Yes. Yeah. Well um, researched. Well, scholarly. Well yeah. Uh, so usually at the beginning of every every episode, we have a little pre-recorded disclaimer. Uh, we are not historians. We're three comedians who love history. So we might make some historical inaccuracies. Some of those might be deliberate. We're doing our best. So if you do notice us making a historical inaccuracy, please don't yell at us. Um, we have very fragile egos, and this is our first live recording. So welcome to uh, to that. Yeah. So tonight, uh, I'm going to be talking about the origin of the Lapsang Sochong tea, yes, and how that came to be. And I'm going to be talking about the North American European starlings. They are, fun fact, not from North America originally, as their name implies. <laughs> Incredibly invasive, I believe. Yes. Yes. Mm. I'm just going to offer some color commentary. Wonderful, wonderful. Which <laughs> <laughs> is good. You're usually the one who does the best research out of the three of us, so please jump we in. We are behind. We're, yeah, we're behind. First, we should practice saying whatever your topic is. Uh, lapsang Sochong? Lapsang Sochong. Lapsang Sochong. Lapsang. Lapsang. Sochong. Sochong. Okay. Lapsang. The way you have it written down, it looks like lasagna. It does not. <laughs> <laughs> kind of does. That's what yeah. I saw when I looked down really it, quickly. If, if I wanted to host a podcast with the inimitable Jim Davis, I would have called wow. the inimitable Jim Davis to Brett Garfield. Um, ah. Great, great. We're all on the same page. Um, so yeah, lapsang uh, actually means uh, refers to the fourth and fifth buds of the tea plants, uh, which are the le less desirable ones. They're rougher leaves, uh, so they don't make as good tea as the more desirable pico, which are the tip of the tea plants. And sochong means uh, smoked over wood fire. So that is lapsang sochong. It's a smoky, campy, wood fiery tasting tea, and it's called that because it is made by smoking it over. Wood, over a wood fire, over pine boughs. Now, you're probably asking yourself, oh, I, I wonder how, uh, how this came to be. How somebody came up with the idea of taking delicious tea and just smoking it, right? We could take a quick poll, actually. Yeah. How many uh, people were wondering that? Okay, that's... <laughs> we got that's one. One guy. Great, great audio, no. <laughs> one guy, thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate the curiosity. Yes. Wonderful. Um, he shall be the spokesman. <laughs> Wonderful. And what I love is we definitely have a microphone for everyone to talk into. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, <laughs> so, how did this somebody get this idea? And if you're thinking, oh, well, maybe people just like the taste of smoke, and someone was like, oh, I like smoking meat. Maybe I'll try smoking buds. Um, <laughs> 420 Blaze It. Uh, you would be wrong. I think they picked the good tea, and then were like, this whole thing's a ruin. Let's. Just burn it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, any any hypotheses? 
for why they decided to do that? Yes. That was such a good one. <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to burn it and then just saying, like, that smells good. No, we have 30 minutes. Taking it off the fire. <laughs> but then again, if I were, I'm trying to place my mind, like, mindset into this kind of, mm -hmm. like, time okay. frame and stuff. So okay. you can keep talking. Okay, I'm going to keep talking. You just jump in whenever you want to. Give me mm -hmm. some lasagna, whatever. So, it's an interesting story. Birthday gift. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if by birthday gift you mean the fires of war. That's what I meant. Great, then we're on the same page. <laughs> so back during the, uh, the, the King era of China, uh, which lasted from 1636 to 1912, the Qing Dynasty, Q-I-N-G, probably pronouncing that wrong, but I don't speak Mandarin. So during the Qing era of Chinese history, uh, there were a good number of wars, uh, and one in particular, the 1644 Peasant Rebellion, right near the start of the uh, Qing era, was brutally, brutally put down by the famous general Li Zichen. Now, here's the thing, that war did, however, go on after being sparked off by this rebellion until 1683. So, at some point between 1644 and 1683, this story happened. So, <laughs> In the Wuyi Mountains in, the, in Fujian province, and I, I realized, very inaccurate, the closest I could narrow it down. This story may be apocryphal, but I love it too much not to use it. It's in the Wuyi Mountains in Fujian province, where they were historically a tea-producing county and a tea-producing town. The tea-producing town of the Wuqiang, uh, which is now Wuqiang City, what uh, was then just known as Wuqiang. They had the season's tea harvest, and they were drying it because with green tea, uh, which is what was mostly consumed, way back when, black tea is actually a very recent invention. Lapsang Sochong may be the first black tea, either that or... Wait, black tea doesn't mean burnt. Black tea is oxidized, cooked in a certain way to make it all black. It's actually called red tea in China uh, because the liqueur it makes is red. Hmm. Yeah, instead of black. But the leaves are black, so we call it black tea. According to some sources, Lapsang Sochong is the first black tea in history, either that or Min Hong, which is also called, it's called black tea produced in Fujian. So. They had the, the season's tea harvest piled up, drying in the sun so it would become green tea, which is what is drunk mostly uh, in China. And this tea belongs to the peasants? Well, this tea is how, yeah, they trade it for everything they need to survive that is not tea. Mm. This which is, is going to take a sad turn. Uh, <laughs> so, during this war, uh, you know, the thing about war is that people lose their homes and people, you know, need to find a new way to live. And so a lot of people turn to banditry. And so a band of bandits, uh, which is fun to say, not fun to encounter, um, <laughs> uh, attacked this small town. And all of the people, instead of standing and fighting and dying, realized, like, we, our valuables are just this tea, and they're not going to take this tea to market. And they just ran off in the woods and hid, just hid for a couple of days. And so the bandits decided to wait for them to come back to, you know, uh, kill them, press, <laughs> press them into slavery. Uh, <clears throat> press them into slavery. I need to talk louder and not mumble, even though it's terrible. Because uh, this is a room full of people who need to hear what I'm saying. And we don't have <laughs> microphones hooked up to a sound system. So they hid until the bandits went away. And the bandits just ended up ransacking what they could. Weren't enough beds for all of the bandits. So they slept upon the piles of tea leaves that were drying in the town. <laughs> and eventually got bored and left. Because <laughs> they needed to find some stuff to bandit. Uh, and there wasn't enough stuff to band it there or steal. What do you think they did to pass the time? Like, <laughs> I like to imagine they just threw knives around. Yeah. <laughs> threw things into things. 
maybe played some cards. Built, up, built other furniture out of tea. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> tea chaise lounge, mm -hmm. television. Oh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I saw someone walk out the back. They were right. Um, no, everyone's still here. Uh, so the people came back after the bandits had all left, and they found their tea. And the tea, they like went to brew it, and it was terrible. The bandits slept on it. Because yeah. the bandits slept on it and got all sweaty and stinky. Because our, our relatively modern usage of regular bathing is relatively modern. Um, and people smell bad. Band of Bandit B.O. So. Uh, <laughs> is it more yeah. fun to say? Well, yeah. It's more fun to say. It's gotta keep it light. Band of Bandit B.O., yeah, yeah, yeah. Less uh, worse to Making run into. bad tea. Yeah, still not great. Because, like I said, they traded this tea for everything they needed to live that was not tea. And that's most things. <laughs> so, what did they do? This is their whole harvest, this is their whole livelihood. They couldn't just take it to market and try and sell it. They couldn't just grow another harvest. This is the whole thing. So what do you guys think they did? I would say, well, probably smoke. Okay, yeah, for, we, okay look, we, we now have the story. Okay, you know what, I'm just gonna jump. We know the story ends. We know the story ends. I'm not gonna do this, this hypothetical question. I think that you play the game where you say, oh, you think it tastes bad? It's just because you don't have a good palate. You're not um, as sophisticated. I have Gaslighting. The old, the old <laughs> I was going to say the old wine sommelier, because, uh, you know, wine's just bad grape juice. <laughs> um, Ooh. Well, uh, no, Controversial so. statement. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people like wine in Cambridge. Who knew? A lot of um, people like grape juice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they decided maybe we can get the, the bandit stink out, the, the B.O. of the bandit, the bad bandit B.O. Mm. out by waving smoking pine boughs beneath this tea. Mm. So they put on a bamboo framework and they lit pine boughs and they waved them underneath to try and drive out the smell, like the smell of burning pine. And the tea turned black. Got all the pine resin in, it got the smokiness in, and they're like, well, shit. <laughs> we donked up. We donked up bad. But this, at least this doesn't smell like B.O. anymore. Yeah. So they took it to market. You know, they figured, we'll see what we can get. People tried it. And it was a new thing. And you know what? People liked it. It was a good taste to people, because it tastes like a smoky campfire. And some people liked it. And it was very novel. It was the first black tea. Before, it was all green, some white. So this was a novel, like, tea drinking experience. You're like, well, I guess this is just what black tea is supposed to taste like. It's all smoky and weird. This is a new thing. <laughs> Novelty drives innovation. So people bought it. And people wanted more. <laughs> and so the next year, they did it again. They had to attract the bandits again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Gosh, I wish they just they just Aww. built a big gold statue and hey. like like hey bandits. I am sure part of that flavor came from the bo. Like as an undernote, really? like there was someone who tasted it and was like, this kind of tastes like bo, but everyone likes it, so I feel weird bringing it up like that. <laughs> I don't want to be abnormal, so it's salty. Yeah, <laughs> gross. Uh, it's got that farmyard smell. Oh, I love it. Mm. So no, just next year they smoked it again because yeah. like, they because people wanted it and it was a limited supply, so they brought more to the market of this smoky, weird Lapsang yeah. Souchong and sold it for a higher price and drove up the prices. I still like to think that it was almost like Coke and New Coke. Mm -hmm. 
where they put out the second batch and everyone's like, ah, oh, it doesn't taste as good as the original. And they yeah. kept doing it until the bandits came back and then they brought back old black tea. You know, I, <laughs> I love that and you made assume, millions. <laughs> I love that you assume they would have brought back the bandits and not just had their own people sleep on it. It's not. <laughs> that's like it's not the original formula. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's yeah. like using like that's like using uh, corn syrup instead of. You're cane right. Sugar. You're right. Because you gotta have you gotta have the caked blood flavor. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, that good well, copper taste. Like Not a lot sweat. of cake blood fans out here. <laughs> Try it. You Ooh. might like it. It's acquired taste. So I was gonna say, nervous sweat smells different than like your regular sweat. Mm -hmm. So you want to have the the like bored and waiting bandits sweat yeah. Yeah. instead of the people who are excited to make money sweat. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You yeah. gotta, because you, know, you gotta spook people. <laughs> Just go like, fun. you're gonna die. Yeah. Boom. Get on the leaves. Wait, but why would you want scared sweat in your tea? Well, yeah. You want bored. You're bored right. Sweat. Bored sweat. But look, you gotta remember, bandits. They still fight. They're probably scared too. You're right. So you're right. First, the boom, and then shh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Max, the townspeople need to themselves become bandits. Uh-huh. Feel the same as the bandits did at the time. Recreate mm. the entire Peasants' Rebellion right. of 1634. Is that what you said? Um, uh, 1644, 1644. Which was technically still ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. So they need to just start a new war. Uh-huh. So they can get the exact same flavor profile as the first batch. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're right, just like Coke did. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of a lot of parallels. A lot of history comes in cycles. That's right. <laughs> Just a corporation starting. You don't even want to know. Startup. You don't even want to know whose sweat is in coke. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so now Lapsang Sutong is still made today. Uh, it is referred to as tea for Westerners. It's not super popular in China, uh, but it's very popular in the Western world. And the same town that it was made in, that, it was, that the, the first Lapsang Sochong came from, that Lapsang Sochong there is getting more and more expensive and harder to make because it's a world heritage site. So they're not actually able to keep up the profits on just making Lapsang Sochong. So fun end note, recently, recently, they're like, we can't grow enough Lapsang Sochong to keep our, our town going. So they brought in a, what is it, a tea master Real thing, tea master, who looked at their fields, looked at like the quality of the soil and the moisture and everything. It was like, grow this tea here and this thing and mix it like this. And they did. And um, because they had been doing this for so long and their, tea, their soil is really exceptional for it, it produced some of the best tea that is like available on the market today. It sells for upwards of, I think, 15 to $20 an ounce. Wow. To put that in perspective, $3 is the usual for ounce of tea. Wow. Yeah, and that makes like 50 cups. So, still cheaper than Coke. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and that is called uh, Jin Junmei. If you ever get a chance to try it, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Very delicious. Yeah, that's, that's my story. The, the end. Yeah. <laughs> How are we doing on time, Noel? Um, we are at about uh, 13 minutes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, do you think we have time for a quick hypothetical question? I don't see why not. Great. We got robbed of one hypothetical question <laughs> by an audience <laughs> member. Who, oh, okay, sorry, I was looking at the wrong person. <laughs> uh, we, should, we really shouldn't attack the audience. We want them on no. our side. I know, it's just weird. It's, yeah. it's a weird response to podcasting in front of people. Yeah. <laughs> like, Instead of one cat. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and our corner historian, Kate. Yes. Sometimes you're there. Yeah. Sometimes you're in the corner correcting us. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, a uh, hypothetical question. So, I, this isn't a hypothetical question, but the. Oh my gosh. I already forgot how to say it. Lapsang So Chung. Lapsang. Just, just do it. Just like hit sure. some drums, see how it feels. Try, try, try a bunch of syllables. I don't, I would, I'll correct it in post. All right, let's <laughs> um, That was from what was it? The fourth and fifth blossoms. Yes, and uh, then leaves. The leaves. And then the pico is from the, tip. the tips. The, yeah. So what about the first and third? Uh, those, yeah, those become. I think uh, I know this. I'm gonna get it wrong. Um, so. So you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> I am uh, replace the L with a TR. I'm trying. Right. Yeah. I can barely spell that, really. That took me a second. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you do your best, Noel. Um, uh, okay, so, yeah, the F G T I Y P, the finest tippy orange pico is the blossom. And after that, I think it's Darjeeling. <laughs> okay, corner historian Kate. No, nope. not At a total loss that's, for words. That's like using steroids. It's, no, it's uh, performance dancing. Because have to be the corner tea horticulturalist. Yeah, you're right. It's totally different. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's. I, I want to say Darjeeling, but I'm definitely wrong because Darjeeling is like the first plate kick of the first blossom from the Darjeeling Mountains, uh, and it's like the first of the hardest of the season. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna tell you uh, something I don't like having to say. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I just I don't know. At least and I'm it's gonna, the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can't hypothesize correctly. That's all right. You're you're fallible. It's hard for me to find out too, especially <laughs> in a room full of strangers. <laughs> uh, and wonderful hypothetical. <laughs> Actually, that's just a regular question. That's not that's hypothetical. Yeah. That's how I prefaced it. Okay, I okay. What's what's okay? What's the rest of the hypothetical? <laughs> We can just edit this and it's like, Jackie, what's your, I'd say, Jackie, what's your hypothetical? Jackie, what's your hypothetical? What's the next story? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's so factual. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Oh, oh no. That's a factual oh. question. Darn. Okay. All right, we're definitely. We really backed ourselves into a corner. Yeah, we this. are. <laughs> All right. So my story is how the European starling made its way to North America Ooh. and has now actually become quite a nuisance and a like kind of textbook example of an invasive species. Mm -hmm. So um, at the end of the 19th century, throughout all the world, I think the first one was in Paris, and then New York followed suit about 20 years later, there were these societies that formed called acclimatization societies. Mm -hmm. Are those the ones that brought the squirrels to cities? Because squirrels didn't used to live in cities. What? Yeah. <laughs> Another episode. We're moving on. Um, <laughs> no. They, they thought they uh, were cute, and they brought them into cities, and now they're everywhere. I would not be surprised with uh, what this group was doing because basically it was a bunch of like wealthy sort of people who were like naturalists as like a hobby and they had money to spend oh, yeah. and so they they decided to spruce up various countries by importing flora and fauna from other countries which like from today's perspective sounds like a horrible idea but they had no basis for like oh yeah this would be a terrible thing to do. You have um, to make the mistake to learn from it. That's yeah. true and these were the forefathers of horrible horrible <laughs> things. <laughs> Um, uh, so there's just forefathers is what you're saying. Yes. You really don't need to qualify that. <laughs> hey. um, <laughs> they're kind of also stupid because mm -hmm. they actually did not have a lot of success with introducing birds like finches and certain varieties of sparrows mm -hmm. into like Central Park uh, in New York because they released a lot of birds like in fall and winter time. Like when... <laughs> 
So, so you're saying they killed a lot of birds. They killed a lot of birds. For exposure. They saved the world in a sense, like for a long time, but just being like, oh, take these birds from their home. It'll take months. We'll ship them over in summer. Rates will be cheaper. We'll release them in winter. And then, oh, they all died. So that- um, But how? <laughs> how would we do this? Um, so um, the Acclimatization Society, the American Acclimatization Society founded in New York in 1871, was kind of the forefront. They were always uh, mm -hmm. taking in these foreign species. And um, they had one in particular, a Eugene Scheifelin, who... One more time, try the, try the one more Scheifelin. time. There you go. Lasagna. <laughs> you That's the magic of post. I only have to say it right once. once. So Scheifelin, <laughs> and in all future things, I'm gonna make work for Max and just say Eugene Lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> great, so. great. <laughs> I spent so, so long editing these novels. So, Mr. Lasagna. Because of you. So, Mr. Lasagna um, decided that uh, he had a very ambitious goal. He wanted to take every bird mentioned in the complete works of Shakespeare and bring them to America. <laughs> so. Oh, no. Your mind as something it was like cult, it was supposed to be to cultured. It was like most of the acclimatization was like around the like yeah. they had theories that it would make uh, ecosystems more diverse, which was a good thing. Which sometimes is true, not in the case of invasive species I, like this. I just figured it was like a year of living biblically type thing. You know, like, you know that book? Where yeah. it's, it's like those dare books. <laughs> that be like a writer takes a dare and then makes a million dollars writing a book about it. That's what it sounds oh, like. I guess. I guess, uh, I guess a lot of people here support dare books. <laughs> if you like that. Yeah. Well, I read um. the uh, genealogy book mm -hmm. by the guy who did The Year of Living Biblically, mm -hmm. biblically and he sounds really fun, yeah. so I'm not going to knock him. Fair. I guess I'm the asshole here. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I figured, I figured it's like that. Or like, um, you know, Julie and Julia. Julie and Julia is about cooking like Julia Childs, yep. right? Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's this woman. She cooks Julie. everything from. She goes through Julia Child's most famous cookbook oh. and cooks it all. Every single thing. Yeah. Okay, it sounded like Julia Child was the one getting cooked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nah. It's about learning a new skill and personal growth. That's yeah. my look of just like, all right. <laughs> Finally came around to cannibalism. <laughs> uh, um, I, no, I feel like you take cannibalism with you wherever you go. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Um, so Eugene wanted to get these birds from Shakespeare. I wrote down a little note. I felt clever this morning. I wrote down he was an avid avian advocator, and I just wanted to, wanted to show that off. <laughs> you had your better T bandit B.O. You also voice. said that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. That wasn't me. For those keeping, that was you. <laughs> for those keeping score at home, it's two That's to zero. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, so he brought starlings over uh, once again in winter time. <laughs> but fortunately, starlings are actually very uh, hardy birds. Like they are, um, they have certain benefits, like a unique beak structure that actually allows them to pick through like more frozen or like dirt that's like just has insects deeper down. So. Um, so they were very prolific. And in fact, today, a little fun fact, 
There are 220 million starlings from the first 100 they introduced to Central Park in 1891. Those are some inbred starlings. Yes, yes, and they show it. <laughs> <laughs> and they are estimated to cause uh, about 800 million in crop damage every year because they swoop down. And fun fact, when I was a kid, we moved when I was uh, 12, yeah. and the first like fall there, uh, I was home by myself, and all of a sudden, I, the, uh, we had our back porch with a few bird feeders on it, and just hundreds of them just swarmed onto the porch at once. I had never seen anything like that and before. And they it was picked like... you up and carried you away, and that's why your last name is Starling. Yes! <laughs> and why you eat so many bugs. <laughs> yeah, I eat a lot of insects. <laughs> Indisputably. <laughs> but, um, but that's the thing, like starlings are total jackass birds. They kick other birds out of their nests that are smaller, like bluebirds, woodpeckers, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They uh, will swarm in in giant flocks and just totally uh, devastate crops. Yeah. And even the thing is, like this Eugene guy took his inspiration from Shakespeare. Shakespeare's reference to starlings in his work was literally talking about how they were just terrible birds. <laughs> like, it's from, it's from Henry oh IV, where he's just like, Hold you on, know, hold on, let me, see yeah. if I can, let me see if I can get this. What's up, what's up? The starling is a terrible bird, and I wish to consume it. Henry VIII. Word for word. Yes. <laughs> but in a more specific word for word, uh, <laughs> Henry, it was in Henry the Fourth, and it was just talking about how a character, King's not doing something for a character, so he just says, uh, I'll have a starling shall be taught to speak nothing but Mortimer and give it to him, the king, to keep his anger still in motion. So literally just talking about driving someone mad with the sound of starling. Yeah, bird, birds can't make M sounds. Yeah. This bird sounds useful. Like a good tool. <laughs> a good tool for driving kings mad? Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we really missed off that attachment for the Swiss Army knife. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not, it's not reflecting poorly on the bird in that sentence. Okay, yeah, I guess you're right. That's a clever bird. Yeah. Loyal. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> Persistent, hardworking. Not afraid of kings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a rare quality in a bird. <laughs> Most birds, terrified of kings. It's the crown. Mm -hmm. It's too shiny, too pointy. <laughs> Looks like a giant, horrible bird. <laughs> It's like how when you take like a potato and you stick feathers in it and like dangle it from a string, birds won't come in your yard because they you think it's an owl. How you do that? Yeah. Wait. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. Put feathers in a potato. Yeah. That's how you keep bad birds out of your yard. It looks birds and rabbits. They think it's an owl. Think it's gonna eat them. What? How no. do you not know this? This is, this is like gardening yeah. 101. Gonna okay, cast like gardening a 301. Our corner historian. <laughs> She's shrugging and saying, "What?" Okay. <laughs> She's not a corner gardener. <laughs> okay. Well, you could have saved that statue money and spent it on a potato. Okay. And then you could. The have, potato will degrade. Yeah. yeah get a get a, You get another potato. <laughs> or, not expensive. You're really you're spending money on feathers. Okay. Well, Get a statue the of a potato. Okay. <laughs> Everybody wins. Yeah. Everybody wins. Gary, you're out. Yeah. That's what Mr. Potato in my head originally was. It was Mr. Bird Frightener. So, you know, it's funny though. Like I did some extra research, and I'll just go. I'll just touch on these very briefly. Um, none, no town in the 20th century when the starling population began to get a, become a problem. None of them even thought to use your potato idea. 
I thought something like that would have been referenced, and... You know, our forefathers didn't have the advantages of modern technology. Yeah. Like iPhones or potatoes. <laughs> the fools. Uh, um, and I'll uh, quickly go through some please. of these other ingenious methods that all, oh, none of them worked. A little quick spoiler, none of these worked. Sure. So first one I found was 1914, Hartford, Connecticut, uh -huh. had a starling That's problem. That's where you're from. Uh, well, the state, but not the ghost town. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they Did you call Hartford a ghost town? It is. It is. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, is. we'll, we'll focus on this. <laughs> we'll focus on this on our sister podcast, Geographinismo. Well, uh, it's probably because all the birds killed the people. In <laughs> <laughs> and now they're ghosts. Oh, sorry. Sorry, please um, go on. We're so low on time. They, uh, yeah, I don't know why they did this. They, well, they were gonna shoot bottle rockets at <laughs> the bird's nest. It didn't work. They said they were gonna do it more and more if it worked the first time, and it didn't work. Okay, okay. Um, but for some reason, they, I guess, to mark the starling nest, they tied teddy bears to trees and then shot bottle rockets into the trees. Okay, this was not to get rid of starlings. Yeah. This was to traumatize bad children. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> um, uh, the White House in DC, I couldn't get the year. You try to use speakers emitting potato calls. <laughs> Owl calls. <laughs> I appreciate uh, you dumbing it down for me. <laughs> uh, permitting owl calls didn't work. Uh, 1952 in Washington, Pennsylvania, they tried putting electric wire <laughs> in the starling roost. Oh, um, oh, 1954, Rochester. That's, that's how you get starlings with superpowers. <laughs> that's how you get a static yeah. shock, but a starling. A, a starling shock. That's why no one's ever heard of Washington, PA. Has anyone ever heard of Washington, Pennsylvania? What? Did it burn down? One person who's clearly a starling. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of starlings with a zipper on the back. and <laughs> We found them out. Um, but I just want to quickly say, funnest attempt at this was uh, in Mount Vernon. They hired a guy who uh, profiled himself as an expert in getting rid of starlings. So he was a man who walked around with a pin that said the Birdman on it. And he just had like almost like a Dr. Seussian like noise machine that he would just bang around in his town. And they were like, all right, it moved the starlings like, like a few hundred yards. But like then the town was like, no, you're a fraud. So he, he left. He didn't get paid. They, next year, they found a much, a better solution of just shotgunning the starlings out of the trees. And they put them in a refrigerator so that if the Birdman ever came back and said, you didn't pay me my money, which he sued them a year later, they produced the dead starlings and were like, hey, we, no, this is how we got rid of them. Not to mention, it serves as a grisly reminder for other starlings not to cross them. Yeah. Real bird mafia. Yeah, so that was just a few quick attempts. Nothing worked. We're all doomed. Um, <laughs> Soon the starlings will overcome us. They will take mm -hmm. over the democracy center. Yeah, birds isn't and these that, sayers. Isn't that the plan? <laughs> one, one man who right. is just starlings in a zipped-up skin suit. Instead of saying no or yes, they shifted their eyes. <laughs> right? so. I heard a few. I heard a few gentle caws. So, I am terrified. All right, how are we doing on time? Uh, we are right at 30. Okay. I mean, we could, could we sneak in a quick, what if they met? Uh, I don't see. Hey, Improv History, can you hear us? Yeah, we got time. Good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so All right. quick. Uh, so this is, uh, this is the point uh, in the evening where we get to the favorite, everyone's favorite segment of <coughs> Anachronismo. Uh, what if they met? And here is the What If They Met theme song. Uh, they're here, God damn it. Okay, real quick. <laughs> what if they met? What if they met? 
They never really met. This song's usually longer. Um, <laughs> what if the bandits met the starlings? Oh, they'd probably be um, picked dry. Yeah. Jesus. The bandits are the starlings. <laughs> the bandits. Oh, okay. Their bones would just bleach in the sun. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Would, would starling... Okay. Wait, some... I want to hear more about yeah, this. Yeah, let's hear about how these starlings are doing this. Because bandits can protect themselves. Yeah. All right. They have swords. So the starlings are from Europe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're, okay. They're unfamiliar with China. Okay. They don't eat tea. Okay. <laughs> but they might drink it. They might. But they're forced to turn to human flesh. Ooh. But they start, you know, developing a conscience and mm. knowing that the villagers are just living their lives and the bandits are bad people. Uh -huh. So they're kind of like a super villain that has to face a different villain. Uh -huh. And you see like... A real venom. Sure. Great. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you start to see uh, that they're not all evil. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. Secondary hypothesis, they drink the tea, get very caffeinated, see some bandits, bandits threaten their supply of tea, eat all the bandits. I mean, either way, the bandits get eaten. <laughs> they get eaten, so you're happy. Fine. All right, uh, so improv history is staring at us angrily. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're going to close up. Uh, we have been Anachronismo. That's A-N-A-C-H-R-O-N-I-S-M-O. We're on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Uh, if you liked our show, please check us out. And thank you so much. This has been a wonderful way to have our first live taping. You've yeah, all been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you.